today on Brewies, we watch a good movie. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, I'm new. kidding. I just wanted new. to get you riled up. We've been watching good movies. We always watch good movies. Well, not always, but we do watch a lot of good movies. Why would that get me riled up? Well, because I do all the planning? <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, yeah, we're not watching enough Martin Scorsese. Actually, Maybe we can't just do Martin what Scorsese is the, movies. What is the HR department for Brewies? Because I do want to file some complaints. <laughs> um, it's me. Fun fact. A real Russia situation over here. Yeah. Judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, babes. I'm the labyrinth HR department. I'm the hot take HR department. You got an issue, you can take There's it There's so many me. jokes I want to make, but you're just going to make me cut them out anyway. So I had to cut out Probably. the joke that I made. Well, it wasn't a joke. Actually, and you're going to bring it up again? Question. <laughs> no, I'm not going to bring it up, but there was something I said. And you're like, you're going to have to cut that out. And I'm like, why? And you're like, come on. And I said, Come okay. on, babe. Come on. Roman Holiday. Woo-hoo. You've never seen it? No. I have seen it many times. I love this movie. It does. It's one of those that changes as I get older, though. Why? How so? Like, the the way you view it, and I'm not going to go into too much because I kind of just want to get your opinion on it, mm-hmm. but how you watch this as a kid and the way she's treated when you're, like, a young woman... Yeah. It's very different than how you feel about it when you get older. I feel like it's a lot of Audrey Hepburn movies. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still good. I love this movie. This also marks... We, we didn't tell you in the last one because it was going to be so hard to guess. Um, but it's the end of the Audrey Hepburn run. It's the beginning of the Gregory Peck run, who is the co-star of this movie. Booyah. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Love Gregory Peck. Love Gregory Peck. Love him in this movie. Was that Gregory Peck in... No, it was James Mason. I was thinking about Lolita. Yeah. I always get him and James Mason changed up. Interesting. They kind of have a similar vibe. I guess. You don't agree? I just wouldn't have... I wouldn't have put that together. But I get what you're saying. I see it. I see it. Speaking of how women are treated, you know what I was watching recently? <laughs> God, home this videos. Could go so no. many directions. Um, let's get Melanie on the mic. Scott, let's Pil- talk about those Scott home videos. Pilgrim. Yeah, I I have a lot of feelings about how Ramona Flowers is written and treated in that movie. As do we all. As do we all. Would you like to start being somebody that was dressed as Ramona Flowers? Yeah. You know that was five years ago. Don't tell me that. I'm not prepared to handle that kind of information today. Four and a half. Four and a half. It's too long for it to be this fresh in my memory. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. But no, isn't that... Yeah. That Ramona Flowers. Yeah, written... There's a lot to be said about how that's written. Very, very Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Which is not... There's a lot of conversation about this from people who are much smarter and more well-read than I. Oh, there is? Yeah. Like people, oh, yeah. I thought everybody just like worshipped. But... No, everybody loves the movies, but it's... Right. Now, this is going to be a hop, skip, and a jump. Stick with me here. Okay. It's kind of a American Psycho situation where... Okay, interesting. If you actually look at what the text is trying to say... 
and what the artist went into it with and like what the intention of it is that's kind of the point it's that scott turns her into this manic pixie dream girl that she really isn't right. and kind of like 500 days of summer yeah yeah yes much closer but it's meant to be a form of satire on those people and what they do and you have a lot of people who don't get that and just are like my god where's my ramona like okay okay yeah i feel like i know some people so many people that are like oh it subverts that stereotype and i don't feel like it does have you heard that argument I feel like there's no What's subversion. Stereotype? I've brought this up to people in college. Thou shall not be named. And okay. <laughs> there's like like many people, not uh-huh. just like one person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are like, yeah, yeah, she's written like a manic pixie dream girl. But like it subverts the stereotype. And I'm like, how so? It just does. I'm like, how does that? M-? Well, because her the whole point of her arc as a character is that she was never a manic pixie dream girl. She kind of like, I don't know. She never even really played into it for Scott. She, she was just existing, minding her own business. And she had these two men who wanted her to be something that she wasn't. And her whole arc is deciding to tell them both to fuck off. I agree with that. The, I agree with that up until the very, very, very end when, how it's how she talks about Gideon. It's just like, like I get what they were going for. We are so off base now. We're so off topic. Audrey Hepburn, the original Man of Pixie Dream Girl. See, it wrapped hey, it back. Hey, I was gonna say I don't have I don't have the brain cells to get into a deep intellectual. I feel like takedown. Well, I Scott feel Pilgrim like the today. thing with Audrey Hepburn though. Mm-hmm. I, I am being genuine. This is just my opinion. This is why I brought it up. Okay. Is what you said about watching this movie reminded me of Funny Face. Like so many of the movies that Audrey Hepburn was in, she was treated like, or her character was treated like shit. That's product of the time, babies. I mean, this movie is yes. 1953. No, I agree. But like her more than a lot of people, I feel like at that level. Because at least with like, like, uh, mm. That's like the other Hepburn. Like a Catherine Hepburn. She has some agency. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but even Catherine Hepburn took roles where... Right. No, like, I get it. They're not treated well because that like was kind of the standard. Audrey Hepburn like, was just subjected to playing so many characters where... What you said earlier. Guys were projecting their image onto her. Sabrina, mm-hmm. I feel like, is a clear example of what I'm about to say. Projecting their image onto her, but like that's not really what she, her character was or is. I Sabrina's a hard one to make that argument for. You think so? Yeah, because I, Sabrina, we're gonna get so off base. Um, yeah, Sabrina, I I don't know that I would agree. I don't think Sabrina's treated poorly in her movie, mm-hmm. but she is, you know, playing to the type of woman that would have been societally acceptable in the day like she i think the difference is sabrina is very much playing the game she yeah she grew up she figured it out she was like i'm gonna use it to my advantage right to get what i want and what she wanted changed changed 
throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But she figured out what she needed to do to get what she wanted. Which, play the game. Yeah. Or the game will play you. Some of these movies back in like the 30s, 40s, 50s, it is interesting to see like when the women do have agency. Especially like the pre-code movies, like right before the code came in. Yeah. Those ones are fucking interesting. And Criterion's doing a whole pre-code yeah. thing right now, aren't they? Yes. It's a very watched, interesting era of movies. I just watched the Lubitsch one and it was... I mean, it's a Lubitsch movie, but like right yeah. before the code, it's, it was very interesting. That's something. Yeah. Very progressive. Very interesting. It's weird yeah. to see people in a black and white movie discuss sex liberally. Yeah. Because you're not used to it. Yeah, because all of everything we have after that is so sanitized. Yeah. That we create this false idea that mm-hmm. everybody in the 30s and 40s was super conservative and prudish and it's like that was not really true that's just people were animals just like they are today it's it's no everybody has that dog in them right everybody <laughs> has that if there's one thing the listeners of this podcast need to take away from these episodes god it's that we all have that dog in us this is a phrase that like has become very attached to lately yes mm-hmm. somebody's left those dogs out Woof, woof, woof. Put your socks back on. Put the dogs away. They're on. Thank you for the ASMR. <laughs> do you want to go? You're welcome. Do you want to go watch Rome in the 50s? Um, I absolutely do. Do you oh. want to know what we're drinking first? Yes, I would. Um, Haven't forgot that before. Yes. No, we've never done that. <laughs> never not once. Um, we are using another Cinema Sips recipe today because Our girly. she's lovely. Love it. Liz. Um... This is called a drink. It's a drink that she made. Very cool. Actually, she makes all of her drinks, which is part of why I really enjoy it. Oh, really? Them. Yeah. She like creates the recipes. It's very cool. Um, it's called the Santangelo Sunset for a couple of reasons. It consists of a quarter or a half cup of blackberries, Cinzano Sweet Red Vermouth, which is the brand of the truck. You haven't seen the movie. I can't tell you this yet. Yeah. Anyway. Spoilers. It's important. You see the brand Cinzano in the movie, which I think is cool. Um, A tablespoon of sugar and Prosecco because bubbly. Well, all right. Very princessy. Let's give it a shot. Is is she playing a princess in this movie? Yeah. Here's a synopsis for you. Oh, that'd be... Yes. A bored and sheltered princess escapes her guardians and falls in love with an American newsman in Rome. Directed by William Wyler, written by Dalton Trumbo, Ian McKellen Hunter, and John Dighton. Sounds like your life in Chicago. Ah, yes, naturally. (laughs) It's so relatable to me personally, of course. How could I forget? (laughs) Good transatlantic accent. I like that. Thanks. Is that what that is? (laughs) Yeah, whatever. I mean, old timey. (laughs) All right. um, Let's roll the tape. Okay, welcome back to Brewies. I exfoliate <laughs> twice a week. I wash every day and I moisturize every day. I listen, is that a routine? Yes. What else do you, what else is there to do? I want to see the serums, babes. I want to hear you oh, talking fuck about a serum. The- <laughs> I'm fuck that serum shit. Talk to me when you know how to gua sha. 
Until then. I don't even know what that word means. Exactly. You drop in a serum. Do you do a night cream? Do I you? I do. I do do a night cream. Fuck you. Okay. Listen, what can I say? I was blessed with great skin to start with. And now it's my duty as an Italian to keep it up. You know what I mean? Do your parents have good skin? Yeah. Both None parents. of us ever had any acne. I got very, very lucky. Very lucky in that department. Serum. Yeah. Get yourself a little serum over here, B. Okay. Where's your hyaluronic acid? Roman holiday. Ready, Gregory? Okay. okay. For sure. Three peck, not Napoli. Three, <laughs> t- three, two, one, five. Four. Five. Okay. Is that I loved five? it more than I thought I did on the rewatch. It might be the, dr- the drink talking. A little bit. A little bit. I'm drunk. You're not drunk. This is becoming a habit. I am surprised that I gave this a four because I fucking hated Gregory Peck's character just on principle. Why? Because he like tricked her. Like the whole premise of the movie is that he tricks her to get a story. Yeah, but uh, listen, most of the time that particular trope irritates the hell out of me. I'm not speaking on the mic. I'm sure this is going to sound terrible. Hold on. You're fine. Okay. Um, most of the time that trope irritates the hell out of me, but in this particular instance, it makes total narrative sense. And the way that they end it makes sense to me because it's not one of those, like he was dating you for a bet bullshit things. So and then in the end you find out that she's all upset and offended by it. Can you do the bullet? Okay. spoilers can you like this the movie's blo- been out for over 70 years just for context can you do the bullet points of the plot yes for sure audrey hepburn mm-hmm. plays princess anne who goes by anya um once she escapes so Taylor she Joy. escapes from her guards and her her chaperones that's the word i'm looking for and absconds into the city of Rome to have some fun. Um, but right before she does that, they gave her like a sedative because she was having a fit of hysterics to help her calm down. So she's like passed out in public in Rome when Gregory Peck comes across her and is like, mm, I don't know if I should really leave this young woman just like alone in public. I think something bad could happen. Now he is at first reluctant, which... I do understand because he's on one hand, he's like, I don't want to leave her here. And on the other hand, he's like, I also don't want to be the one that takes the drunk girl because it looks like she's drunk externally. I don't want to be the one that takes this drunk girl. I don't know home to my apartment. Like that could look bad. What is she going to say in the morning? Right. Right. Okay. Got it. I love a drunk, drunken history, drunken movie I'm history. I'm already, this is not bullet points. This is just a You're play good. by play. He takes her home. She wakes up home. the next day. Yeah. And he doesn't know who she is yet. So he goes off to work and he's like, you know, get out of here. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right, fine. So she goes and she starts having her little fun in Rome. She does whatever she wants because that was her whole thing. Her whole hysterics at the beginning of this was that she felt like she had no choice in what she was doing on a day-to-day basis and it was exhausting, which it absolutely would be. So she starts doing whatever she feels like. And then he finds out that Princess Anne has mysteriously fallen ill and has not shown up to any of her engagements that day. And he's like, that's weird because I just met a girl named Anya who looks a lot like Princess Anne. 
and didn't know where she lived. So I'm going to go find out what she's doing. Make sure I didn't make like a grave mistake as me, a journalist, might have. Yeah. In losing the exclusive story on what Princess Anne is doing on her day off. One of the first things she does, by the way, bad bitch behavior, chops all her hair off, gets one of the cutest haircuts That's I've ever like seen. That's why you like this movie. Hey. That's why you like it. Hey. Nothing else. Um, just that. Now that you have visual reference, audience, this is the longest my hair's been in like seven years. So for me, <laughs> I deeply relate to this where cutting your hair off is very freeing. I can't explain why, but it is. Anyway. They proceed to do all of the things that she's always wanted to do. And she's, mm -hmm. like, lying to him under the pretense of, I escaped from school. Which doesn't really make any sense, but that's fine. Because yeah. he knows the truth. Right. And so they do all of the things that she wants throughout the day. Like, they go and sit at a... I'm hitting the mic. You're good. They go and sit at a, like, sidewalk cafe, and she smokes a cigarette for the first time, and then they drive a moped or a scooter or whatever it is, and she gets in trouble with the law because she doesn't know how to drive, and she's driving into pedestrians. It is a problem. I'm a little concerned that she doesn't know how to steer, but that's fine. She's a princess. She's not used to undressing herself, much less driving a moped. So. so she's doing all this shit. She cuts the hair, blah, blah, blah. Having a great time. But what is Gregory doing? Gregory is getting that story. Yeah. Gregory's a reporter and he yeah. realizes that she's Princess Anne. He's like, okay, I'm going to call my photographer friend down here and we're going to take photos of her trying all these things that she's never done. And we're going to get like these kind of salacious photos of Princess Anne smoking right. a cigarette, right? And then they get to the end of the night, which ends on a, it's not a boat. But it's kind of like a floating a dock, dock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you a bunch of people are dancing and the barber that cut her hair earlier in the day asked her on a date and was like, you know, come out dancing with us if you want tonight. I I'll be at the Sant'Angelo River, which is also the name of the drink. Um, which clearly was an effective drink. <laughs> and not the squeaking. Um <laughs> Christ. Anyway, a whole bunch of <laughs> plain clothed cops show up and realize that she's Princess Anne and basically start a giant bar fight. Oh, during which she, again, being the bad bitch that she is, smashes a bunch of bottles over their heads and yes. then eventually a guitar, which the photographer friend catches on camera, which is hilarious. Um, and then they jump into the river and swim and float away to escape the cops that are trying to take her back to the palace. And it's kind of at that moment where she realizes, like, I can't keep doing this forever. Like, I have to go back. But it's also unfortunate because by this point, she and Gregory Peck have fallen in love. Mm -hmm. Even though he's been, you know, kind of lying to her and taking photos throughout the day for under the premise that he's going to write this exclusive story about Princess Anne and make a shit ton of money which he needs because he owes a lot of people money and then he takes her back to the palace and they see each other the next day at a press conference where she realizes that he's a member of the press and that his friend is a photographer and instead of it being this kind of like 
I don't know. It could have, if, if you were to take the premise of this movie and make it today, that would be like a whole confrontation scene. Yeah. It would be this whole betrayal. Yes. And instead she's like, you know what? I understand that I'm a princess and I understand why you were doing what you were doing. But ultimately he refuses to print the story and his friend shows up to the press conference with prints of the photos for her as like a, here's a you know memory of your time in Rome. And it's this very sweet moment. Bittersweet, but sweet nonetheless. And that I think is why I like it. Because it feels a, the most, you know, realistic as you can get in a kind of whirlwind fairy tale romance story. And is also just fun. It's very fun and it's very sweet and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Do you think you only like it though because of how it ends? No. Okay. Not at all. I think you like the haircut scene. And that's that's, that's the, the cornerstone scene. to this. Yeah. I also just love a good, I don't know, self-contained story. It There's no promise of what happens after. There's no, they lived happily ever after. Like it's, this is what it is. It's she, essentially 24 hours. Yeah. In a way. I mean, it not... It might be Hard a little fast, over, but, but yeah. Right. But it's, and I love I loved it. I remember this movie. You know, it's funny. When did you first see it? I saw it probably for the first time when I was like 10 or 11. Deep, deep in my like. Formative. I love Audrey Hepburn. Phase, yes. Right. You know, I'm Every like girl our age, uh, I just learned has that fucking phase. It was a Tumblr thing for sure. But yeah. Oh, it was? Oh yeah. That's where it started. No shit. But like, I'm not like other girls. I'm an Audrey. Like, first wow. of all shut the fuck up but you were also one of those girls yep yeah love it i don't look back on that with a lot of pride but yes i was and <laughs> that marina anyways please continue my marina phase was entirely separate but oof boy howdy yeah a marina phase was had indeed <laughs> <laughs> Sit I'm not with gonna, that one. I'm not going to call you out because you told me something about your Marina phase that I think about all the time. I cannot not listen to Mike. Marina. I won't. Thank you. But you did have a big Marina phase. I did have a big Marina phase. It's yeah. okay. We talked about your shaft phase last week. We're talking about my Marina phase this week. It's it's fair. It's tit for tat. Tit for right? tat, yes. Tit for tat. I have a whole funny story about tit for tat, but that's, that's a separate. I think it's the one you told me, right? Uh, what did I tell you? bearing the lead because you you like just realized what that meant like when you realize what tit for tat actually meant it's like a sexual thing yeah i yeah. didn't realize that that's what you're gonna say right yeah. yeah okay i might as well tell the story then yeah i in my like ap science class in high school i didn't know what it meant i just heard the phrase like tit for tat and i knew it was like you know give what you get right yeah it obviously tit is in the word in the phrase Yes. I should have put it together. A I breast may be involved hey, of some kind. Just didn't, you know? It was one of those things where I chalked it up to like old-timey speak. I'm not going to look at it that deeply. I was also maybe 15. So I cut myself some slack for this one, but I do look back on it with a mild level of mortification because yeah. I was in this science class with this teacher that I really respected and liked a whole lot. And his last name, I, on the off chance that this man will ever find this, which he won't, last name was Scarpone and he I was his last class before he left teaching to go live in Italy 
With he was a, name a like very that, cool, to. very intense man. Um, I said it in in some context, like in his class, to him at one point, and he just went and moved right along. And it it was only in that moment that I was like, oh yeah, that would be a weird thing to say to like an adult. Why does an adult need a? I mean, I feel like that. That is such a common phrase. It's not that big of a deal. It's not a common phrase among 15-year-olds. 15, and, and it was clear, that like, tit for tat. <laughs> it was not a common phrase around my high school. Oh. So it it was something that like I said frequently. Probably shouldn't have been. But definitely Making shouldn't have been saying in class. such a impression. Freshman year, Huntington, yeah, Huntington this was High. Sophomore year, but yeah, for sure. Love don't that. out me. Don't put my alma mater out there. Y'all don't need to know where I went to school. Anyway. I meant uh, she, 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 gossip brawl. Um, American High, USA. American High, USA on Main Street. <laughs> Absolutely. Roman Holiday. I love this movie. A four. So you liked it actually more than I thought you were going to like it. You had a good time? I think because... I just love the director, William Wyler, so much. I don't think he's capable of making a bad movie or okay. was capable of making a bad movie. I just, the Gregory Peck thing just bothered the shit out that of me. That really bothered you. Yeah. Which is funny because that's normally something that would bother me. Why did it bother you so much? Because it just seemed like there was no consequence whatsoever, big, small, or indifferent to any of his actions. Like, like that's the thing with any type of narrative. I feel like if I if I watch a movie or read a book or whatever, there needs to be some sort of consequence to actions. It, not like bad consequence, just just consequence. There has to be mm-hmm. something. I do like what you said that what you were also alluding to. Like, it's a very contained story. It's a very human story. Because if that were to happen, there probably wouldn't be any, like, they'd probably just have what happened. They would look at each other and they would do how that movie ended. He would yeah. just walk out. I just don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a a level of cruelty to that character to do that to somebody. Because you are taking advantage of somebody in some way. It is, even if you, even if you love them or fell in love with them yeah but do you think that that says something about him as a character or more about the press overall i think you go both ways i think that opens it up for a very interesting conversation i think how the press is represented in film overall just like from when film started to today Mm -hmm. i think is very interesting i think it's one of those industries where Within filmmaking, at least, and the stories that like major Hollywood pictures are putting out from the start of film to today, I feel like there's a pretty good representation. I really like stories about journalists overall. I've always been like that, though. Yeah. But. But you don't like this one. I don't like his fucking character. I think he's a piece of shit. For I, I just think that's a piece of shit thing to do. That if you don't. Get any sort of like, she didn't, she didn't get to call him like, hey, you dickhead. Like, I liked you, but that's still but fucked up. But he also up. liked her. 
Well, and I think that's what she knows. But that's that to me is is the moment of the movie, right? She realizes in that moment that he could write something about her. And it's only because of their nonverbal communication in that scene and the way that he relates to her and the way the questions that he asks. Yeah, that is that's that, an amazing scene. That that's what I go to say about yeah. direction. That that scene I would have put this movie at like, okay, in terms of like my own ethic, this movie's two stars because I so despise that fucking character. But in terms of like cinema, uh-huh. this movie's four because that entire last scene is just a silent movie. It's so good. Yeah. It's and great. Great direction. Great direction. Phenomenal acting from both sides. Like this to me is such a fun movie to start a Gregory Peck run on because it yeah. hits so much of what he's good at as an actor. It's all in the the countenance and the facial expressions. It's He's a very nonverbal actor. He's a less pervy James Mason. I, you're on this one, and I don't know that I agree with you, but it's fine. What it doesn't bother me. All of which is to say, it is specifically because of that last scene that none of it bothers me. And the fact that they have that, they have this moment in the car before she leaves, where it's, I think, very clear, even though neither one of them, he knows at that point that she's Princess Anne, but she doesn't know that he's a reporter, not officially anyway. I think she suspects it because it mm-hmm. comes up earlier in the movie that he's like part of the United States press. Um, but there's this very tender moment between the two of them where very little is actually spoken. And then it immediately goes into, well, not immediately. There's a cut scene, but that's not really the point. It almost immediately goes into this scene with her addressing the entire press. Where again, like almost all of their communication is nonverbal and you still see them come to this understanding where like she's surprised that he's there. There's a moment where she's confused and a little bit upset. Right. And then because of the way that he acts and the way that his friends act, she knows that they're not going to print anything. And it is just this beautiful moment between them all. This like inside secret. I love I love. I want to go to Rome. You're going to Rome. I am. God, I'm excited. He's going to Rome on his honeymoon. It's very exciting. Oh, I'm very excited. Yeah. You know they don't do queen beds over there? They do doubles. You know, that doesn't really surprise me. I, I get the sense that, like, the concept of a twin, full, queen, king, Cali king yeah. is like a U.S. thing. Who else would have that many sizes? That's a capitalist ploy. We're going to sell you a ton of different mattress sizes. I. What do you need them for? But you have a queen, right? Mm-mm. I have, have a full. That's a full? What would I need with a queen? I like That's a queen. I have a good queen. That's you have nice... two people sharing your bed. Yeah. You would need that. Me, Liberty, our butler, and our maid. <laughs> Oh, I forgot it's four. You guys go right. head to foot, head to foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Summer camp style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, Summer camp style. God, I'd love a California king. I like a big Why? bed. Why? You don't like a big bed? No. I don't need that much space. I don't even use all the space on my mattress now. Get the fuck out. 
Which side are you sleeping on? I'm I'm a left side sleeper. Okay. I'm keeping a... This is too much information for the podcast. Tell people. No. Tell people. You're keeping what? I have a nice body pillow on the right side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's normal. Why is that too much information? I don't know. I just feel like y'all don't need to know that. I feel like a life. lot of people sleep with a body pillow behind them. For sure. Yeah. I don't think that's unusual. It's just like... I'm surprised you do because me. you always say you get really hot in the middle of the night. I do. My feet do not ever make it under the covers. That is probably the weirdest oh. thing about the way I sleep. My feet are... I don't care about the demons grabbing me and pulling me out. No, that's... Like, I know a lot of people that... Can't do it. Do that too. The feet got to be out. Otherwise, I'm going to wake up sweating. It's a problem. You know people that like are so gung-ho about sleeping naked? You know those people? I know your friends that are like that. I don't personally Dude, have any friends that my are like friends, that. Everybody in my life is like that. Yeah, sleeping in pants. Absolutely not. I'm a big shirt girly. Yeah. What do you do? What's your, what's your go-to nighttime after you put on their serum? <laughs> I'm so sorry that I'm going to look 25 when we're 50 and you're going to look 60, but that's so not my you problem. You already look three. You're just beating the decades. Mm-hmm. So what, you, you do a big shirt? Yeah, I'm a big t-shirt girl. Gotcha. Or a nightgown occasionally, but I feel like nightgowns are usually too long. A solid giant t-shirt does the job. Yeah. Big fan. I'm in my underwear and that's it. That makes sense. I feel like that's pretty normal for guys. I I know. Again, know a lot you of know guys a lot that of go naked sleepers. Nuts out. I can't live like that. Mm. I respect it. I just A nightgown seems a little too much. Why? I don't know. It's just Elaborate. too flowy, too long, too Well, I'm not talking about out. going to the floor. What is it? What past your knees? Yeah, just past the knees. Huh. Okay. Nice little thin number. Nothing crazy. Gotcha. Not going. I'm not. I'm not going Victorian high collar with the frills and the lace. You're not. No, that would not be comfortable. After you bathe in your night cream. I bathe in my my bathtub of milk. Before we, that's just, yeah. Whole. Um. <laughs> before we do a movie theater wreck. Yeah. What do you think about the drink? I think the this is one of the great. best drinks we've had in a while. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. It was delightful. It Light. also did the job. It did. How you feeling? I'm drunk. The fact that you're not drunk is so concerning. I'm a little tipsy. I need him. Here's the thing. By tipsy, I'm blacked out. Here's the thing, audience. Blake will drink one and then he'll be like, I'll do another if you're doing another. And I will do another because I respect the purpose of this podcast. But then two for him is like four for me. Two, two, tit for tat. There you it's go. Not fair. It's he does not metabolize it the same way. It's all the it's all the Gatorade I drink during my workouts now. It just You're makes just my so metabolism ripped, so quick. Just um, you I'm gonna have to start spiking your muscle milk. Let's do a movie theater right now. You would drink muscle milk. Movie th- I don't do. I don't. don't I do not you. do don't muscle milk. I don't. We are back. Bada-bing. I have a little recommendation. The Angelica, as you know, I don't know. I'm talking directly to you because you already know all this. 
But the Angelica Movie Theater is also Mm -hmm. a great New York movie theater. Um, I personally... There's a car in the background. There you go. They're going to the Angelica. I went to the Metrograph first, and then I went to the Angelica. The Angelica was founded late 80s. It's off of Houston Streets in Soho. Um, the nice thing about this theater is that when you walk in, it's kind of like this big open cafe. Um, and then you, obviously there's the movie theater part, get your popcorn, your snacks, get a mission. Um, but there's this big kind of like lobby where you can kind of sit down, talk, hang out, be with friends, talk to people. And then you go downstairs, down all these escalators to like, I think it's six or so screens, kind of smaller ish. Um, I really 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 like it it also is a movie theater that feels so new york because at least when i was there you're the the theaters are underground so you can like hear the subway in the middle i like watching a movie Mm -hmm. which i feel like most people get pissed off at but i feel like it adds to the ambiance yeah i enjoyed it yeah i think after a while it'd make me mad but i do i do like it they screen really good stuff a lot of independent stuff um, whereas last week we talked about the Metrograph and how it's kind of a rep theater, independent. It plays some mainstream things here and now. Angelica, at least from my understanding, is more just solely independent and like current independent. Yeah, they're, it looks like they're playing a couple of the Oscar winners right now, but then it's a lot of independent. Yeah, but great programming. I love them. I mean, obviously, a, like a super great movie theater within the Soho district is just that's divine so love to see it when we go back to new york we'll have to go we need to go there we need to get a film forum we need to do a new york run on just theaters we don't see anybody we don't talk to i have been fantasizing about just going to new york and only living like practically in one of the theaters yeah hey i love it we could do it Right after we do our road trip where I only drive a hundred miles an hour and you're so comfortable All right, with let's, it. Let's send it off. Um we're not we'll talk about that next episode. Okay. <laughs> and you ready? Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Birdies. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, feel free to argue with us in the comments of our social media on Instagram at Burvies underscore show. And next week we're watching The Boys from Brazil. <laughs>